keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It is Monday, February 20th, 2023. It is the Feast of Saints Jacinta and Francesco Marto. They were two of the three shepherd children who were reported seeing apparitions of the Virgin Mary in the town of Fatima, Portugal, in 1917. Jacinta was born in 1910 and Francisco in 1908. They were siblings who, along with their cousin Lucia, uh, claimed to have been visited by the Virgin Mary on six separate occasions between May and October of that year. During these apparitions, Mary revealed three secrets to the children, including a vision of hell and a warning of the coming of World War II and a request for the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. Jacinta and Francesco were deeply affected by these experiences and devoted their lives to prayer and penance. They also suffered greatly for their faith, and with Jacinta falling ill and dying at the age of nine in 1920, and Francesco dying at the age of 10 in 1919. Saints Jacinta and Francesco Marto, pray for us. And happy Monday to you. I hope you survived the weekend. How did that go for you? Did you accomplish everything you needed to this weekend? Was it restful? I hope it was restful. What did you do yesterday? I, for instance, had my little sister's birthday party, so it was kind of fun. We, after Mass, we got together with my family, and my mom made a barbacoa, and we ate, uh, my mom and my sisters, all three of them, made uh, homemade donuts. And they made their own glaze and everything. And it was really, really good. I was very, very impressed by the whole thing, actually. To be completely honest, I was like, I didn't know you could make your homemade donuts. But there you go. I thought you had to buy them at Shipley's. But the more you know. So that was really cool. So what did you do this weekend? And in your charity, please pray for my little sister on her this, her birthday, or I guess yesterday was her birthday, but pray for her. She's 20 years old now. Uh, Tito Edwards is joining us. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. Had a great weekend. Thank you. How, what did you do this weekend? Well, I did <clears throat> taxes on, uh, got a haircut and did my taxes. It was fun. Yeah, that sounds delightful not yeah. really what did you what did you do sunday <laughs> sunday we cleaned up the house we went to mass we we prayed our rosary but uh my my wife is suffering severe allergies and we've discovered that it's the carpet in our in our bedroom so we pulled out the entire carpet in our bedroom and closet it was no no joy so uh not a very restful sunday then it was somewhat restful, yes, but uh, uh, very allergic. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Well, you know, the Sunday rest, we just, uh, if you're dying from allergies, then I suppose you you have a dispensation to tear up your carpet. But normally, you want to avoid all work on Sunday. Try to get that day a nice and relaxed day of uh, devotion to God. That'd be a great opportunity. You know, a father gave a just fiery sermon on Sunday about uh, American imperialism. And I was like, whoo, that's pretty intense right there. And talking about uh, the spreading of bad ideal ideologies across the world. I was like, man, father's on fire today. But uh, that was very interesting. I'm curious, what was your sermon about? If you're watching on our 
uh, Facebook page or YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey. Let me know. I'm curious. What was the sermon about yesterday? What did you? What did Father talk about? Did he mention uh, prayer and fasting? Did he mention getting ready for the season of Lent? I'm curious. What are you planning to do for Lent? It's coming up. Did you know it's coming up? Uh, we're going to talk about that in the next hour. At 15 past the hour, we will discuss the death of the Auxiliary Bishop of L.A., among some other attacks against Catholics, very concerning. At 30 past the hour, Dr. Jared Stout will join us to discuss how the Eucharist can save civilization. And in the next hour, we're going to be playing our game Fear and Trembling. And we're also going to discuss Shrove Tuesday. Are you ready for Lent? We're going to talk about getting ready for Lent. We're going to talk about Shrove Tuesday. Have you heard of Shrove Tuesday? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you have not, you're going to learn something new today. Shrove Tuesday, very cool tradition. Um, I've been told that the Polish like to eat jelly donuts. And I'm like, where do I sign up? Where do I get my jelly donuts? I want to go to the country where they eat glazed, chocolate glazed donuts. Chocolate glazed donuts. That was called my house yesterday. <laughs> Your house. And I want to clarify to you, Adrian, I completely agree. We, we need to keep the day of, the re- day of rest. Absolutely. And uh, just my wife missed three days of work because of allergies, and she got pink eye. So that was, I guess, the dispensation we needed. Yeah. When, you're, uh, when there's an emergency... The, you know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So if your ox falls in a ditch, then you can do some work. If you're dying of allergies, you can tear up your carpet. But if you just want to do some remodeling, well, then save up for Saturday or Monday. All right, let's jump into the show. Let's uh, begin. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're going to be praying for whatever it is that you need for to accomplish this week, all the tasks that are be putting on your to-do list for the rest of this week. We're praying for those intentions. We're praying for all the attacks against Catholics all over America. And we are praying still for Ohio. More and more concerning news coming out of Ohio. We're probably going to have a conversation about that soon. But let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Monday, February 20th, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Shannon Mullen and Courtney Mares at the Catholic News Agency reports L.A.'s Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell, a popular priest and for many years known for his work ministering to immigrants, the poor, and victims of gun violence in L.A., was shot and killed Saturday, authorities said. The shooting happened around 1 p.m. local time inside a home in the John Avenue in Hacienda Heights, L.A. County. According to a statement from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, television station KABC reported. The blog, A Treasure to be Shared, reports that today is Collop Monday in the liturgical calendar, sometimes called Shrove Monday. Prior to Shrove Tuesday, i.e. Mardi Gras, in Shrovetide there's Collop Monday. The British name Collop Monday is after the traditional dish of the day, consisting of slices of leftover meat. In 
specifically bacon along with eggs. It is eaten for breakfast and is part of the traditional Lenten preparations. In addition to providing a little meat, the collops were also the source of the fat for the following day's pancakes. Edward Penton reports on his personal blog that there is turmoil in the College of Cardinals. In an interview with Father Nicola Books, a respected theologian and former consultant to both the then Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, Father Buck says half the cardinals, electors, and many bishops are convinced we cannot go on this way and change is needed to put the church in order if she is to remain Catholic. And finally, Zenit News reports the case of the FBI's memorandum against Catholics that go to Mass in Latin, con in Latin continues to make news. Prosecutors of 20 federal states wrote Attorney General Merrick Garland to demand that federal agents and President Biden stop attacking Americans for their beliefs. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. The multitude, as soon as they saw him, were overcome with awe and ran up to welcome him. He asked them, What is the dispute you are holding among you? And one of the multitude answered, Master, I have brought my son to thee. He is possessed by a dumb spirit. And wherever it seizes on him, it tears him. And he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth. And his strength is drained from him. And I bade the disciples cast it out, but they were powerless. And he answered them, Ah, faithless generation, how long must I be with you? And how long must I bear with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and the evil spirit, as soon as it saw him, threw the boy into a convulsion, so that he fell on the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And now Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? From childhood, he said. And often it has thrown him into the fire and into water to make an end of him. Come, have pity on us and help us if thou canst. But Jesus said to him, if thou canst believe to him who believes, everything is possible. Whereupon the father of the boy cried aloud in tears, Lord, I do believe. Succor my unbelief. And Jesus, seeing him, how the multitude was gathered around him, rebuked the unclean spirit. Thou dumb and deaf spirit, he said, It is I that command thee, come out of him and never enter into him again. With that crying aloud and throwing him into a violent convulsion, it came out of him, and he lay there like a corpse, so that many declared, He is dead. But Jesus took hold of his hand and raised him, and he stood up. When he had gone into a house, and they were alone, the disciples asked him, Why was it that we could not cast it out? And he told them, There is no way of casting out such spirits, as this, except by prayer and fasting. Then they left those parts and passed straight through Galilee, and he would not let anyone know of his passage. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide and St. Thomas had much to say about the passage here today. Cornelius Alapide said, They passed through Galilee, and he would not that anyone should know it lest he should be detained by the Galileans from love of himself and his benefits, for he was hastening to Jerusalem, to his cross and death, about which he was speaking privately to his disciples that he might accomplish the will of his Father and redeem the human race. 
Chris Austin says, but this the Lord permitted for the sake of the father of the boy, that when he saw the devil vexing his child, he might be brought on to believe that the miracle was to be wrought. The awful cat says he also permits this child to be vexed that in this way we might know the devil's wickedness who would have killed him had he not been assisted by the Lord. It goes on and he asked his father, how long is it since ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child and oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Why does our Lord ask the father? How long ago has it been since he came unto him? Clearly, it's not so that way he can be educated about when it happened because our Lord being omnipotent need not ask any questions because he knows all. So why did he ask? He asked to show that it was no fault of the child's. It was not the fault of the child that he was possessed. The child committed no sin. Instead, it was what? It was in fact, because he was still in a state of original sin and thus living in the realm of the devil. And God permitted the devil to possess him. God permitted this for what sake? And this is why there is such a clear demonstration of the devil, of foaming at the mouth, of writhing, throwing himself into the fire, throwing himself into the water. Why? So that way it would be clear that this was happening to show forth the power and glory of God. Bede said, Who dares to say that all men are born in the flesh without the infection of sin? as though they were innocent in all respects, just as Adam was when he was created. For what was there in the boy that he should be troubled from infancy with the cruel devil, if he were not held by all the chain of original sin, since it is evident that he could not yet have been any sin of his own? Chris Austin says, They feared that perchance they had lost the grace conferred upon them, for they had already received the power over unclean spirits. And it goes on, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. That is, the whole class of lunatics are simply of all persons possessed with devils. Both the man to be cured and he who cures him should fast. For a real prayer is offered up when fasting is joined with prayer. When he who prays is, is sober and not heavy with food. Again, in a mystical sense, on high, the Lord unfolds the mystery of the kingdom to his disciples. But below, he rebukes the multitude for their sins of unfaithfulness and expels devils from those who are vexed by them. Those who are still carnal and foolish, he strengthens, teaches, punishes, whilst he more freely instructs the perfect concerning things of eternity. Praise be to God. Let's take away two things. One, ask God to strengthen our unbelief. Say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And two, some demons can only be driven out with prayer and fasting. Fasting is necessary. We'll be right back. Hi, it's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is drawn. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or five for 100. So what are you waiting for? 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the Angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be with you today on this beautiful Monday morning. It's a good day for it to be Monday, right? Many people like to complain about Monday, but I say here's a challenge for you today. Don't say one bad thing about Monday today. Be grateful to be alive today. All right, so a couple stories, considering talking about grateful to be alive. I want to start with this story just because there's not a lot of commentary to be made about this. It's just concerning, and my father is a fireman, so I saw this headline, and it just jumped out at me, so I wanted to share it with you. My dad is actually a captain in the Houston Fire Department. This headline, 20 firefighters injured in New York City Fire. It says, 20 firefighters were injured while responding to a fire in residential neighborhood. Responding to a four-alarm fire, which is considered a catastrophic event that most fire departments only encounter a few times a year. FDNY members are continuing to operate at a four-alarm fire at 88 Shotwell Avenue on Staten Island, the fire department said. There are currently three firefighters with serious injuries and 17 firefighters with non-life-threatening injuries. The fire has been placed under control. That was reported February 17th, so presumably now it's no longer still burning. They said that fire was a close call for the department and that three firefighters could have easily been killed. The fire was started between the two homes in the rear and quickly spread to both homes. The windows on the homes failed and the wind outside blew the fire intensely into the building right at the firefighters. Two of the firefighters became trapped inside while the third firefighter was able to jump off the second story balcony to get out of harm's way. One of the firefighters was seriously hurt, had debris fall down and hit him on the head and knock his mask off, resulting in him breathing in a lot of smoke. So that's the entirety of the story. Not much commentary to make other than pray for our firemen. And if you see a fireman, thank him for his service. It is a just as dangerous a job as being a police officer. It's just as dangerous a job as these uh, other first responders and they are our first responders they put their life on their line on the line to save your home your family your pets on oftentimes even though they're like this is a big deal sometimes random random point is uh people saying that their animals are their their kids and so firefighters will risk their lives trying to save a dog or a cat because they're like my child is in that room and it's actually a dog um, don't do that. Your dog is not your child. Your cat is not your child. It's not worth risking the life of a fireman to uh, try to save a cat. Tito? Yes, I read that early, just before I got into work today. 
And I th what I read was uh, there are only two now of the three firemen in critical condition. There's That's only good. two, Appreciate so God. I believe there's only one, uh, one that made it out. Yeah, pray for those two that they uh, recover, that they are okay, and pray for all firemen in your state, in your county, in your city. Think about maybe going to go visit them, dropping off some a gift or something, or just something of appreciation. They appreciate it. They're really cool guys. I like firemen. I spent a lot of time with them. Growing up, we used to spend Thanksgiving at uh, the fire department because my dad would often work Thanksgiving. It was a lot of fun. We'd take in the, in the tower truck, and we'd play with the hose, things like that for Thanksgiving, things like that. It's a lot of fun. Praise be to God. Uh, on to other stories that are much more relevant and have much more area of commentating. Uh, the first story, let's start with this. Auxiliary Bishop of Archdiocese of Los Angeles was fatally shot at his home on Saturday afternoon, the police said. Los Angeles County Sheriff Department deputies responding to an emergency medical call found the Roman Catholic Bishop, David O'Connell, at his home with a gunshot wound around 1 p.m., the department said. He was pronounced dead at the scene, the authority said. The circumstances leading to the shooting and the precise nature of the medical call were not immediately clear. The L.A. County Sheriff's Office said that it was investigating Bishop O'Connell's death as a murder. Bishop O'Connell, 69, lived in Hacienda Heights, a suburban community in the San Gabriel Valley. The Los Angeles County Coroner Office could not immediately be reached for comment on Sunday. In a statement, Jose Gomez, the Archbishop of L.A., described Bishop O'Connell as a peacemaker with a heart for the poor and the immigrant. Uh, a couple points of note here is one, I want, I want to know why the, this, I, 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 we really should wait until there's more information and we don't want to canonize anyone when they die because we should wait for more information. Of course, the first immediately, the immediate response is we should pray that he made a holy death, that he was able to repent of his sins and die a holy death and enter into eternity uh, and with good things to present to our Lord at his judgment because it is set for every man to die once and then judgment. So let's pray he was ready for his judgment. So let's pray for that first and foremost. Secondarily, I saw a lot of people eulogizing him and saying things like, oh, he was such a great man. Oh, he's in heaven. Oh, he was a martyr. I've seen those comments. We have to be very careful not to canonize anyone. We don't know why he was killed. And even if he was a good man, because I, I don't know anything about this bishop, so I'm not making any accusations against him or anything like that. So I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm simply I'm doing is we can't declare him a martyr. Because to be a martyr, he had to be killed in odia fide, meaning in hatred for the faith. So if he was killed senselessly, like someone was just shooting uh, bullets and it struck him, and that's how he died, then he was not a martyr. If they killed him for out of vengeance, maybe let's say that the bishop, uh, I don't know, maybe he... He had a mean comment to someone one time, and the guy was getting revenge. Well, he wouldn't be a martyr because he didn't kill him out of hatred for the faith. He killed him because of personal issues. Let's say it was a disgruntled family member. Probably not. The bishop was from Ireland, and so probably his family is not in the United States. But who knows what it was? So we shouldn't declare him a martyr. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the second thing is, it'd be um, if it was in Odia Fide, then this story becomes much, much more concerning. Because now we're seeing explicit violence against Catholics because they're Catholics. Now, that's, that's very concerning. 
if it turns out that this was violence because the bishop had dealings with things he shouldn't have been having dealings with, which I'm not making an accusation of because I don't know anything. I'm just trying to give a circumstance that is possible. If that's the case, then this story, while it's still tragic, is not as concerning because you say, okay, well, he's involved in, in these bad things. Let's say it was like if you're in New York and you're involved with the mafia and there's ha- something happens to you, well, that might happen to someone. Still bad, but it's more expected. If, you're, if someone killed them because they say they hate the church and so they want to kill this bishop, that's very, very concerning. And the reason why I bring that up is because of the second story here. An 18-inch pipe bomb found behind a Catholic church in Philadelphia on Sunday by a passerby, launched an investigation and brought local bomb squad authorities to investigate the scene. Philadelphia's department officials told a local Fox News affiliate that a passerby found a PVC pipe with with capped ends and black powder near Cornell train tracks behind St. Dominic's Catholic Church just before 1.40 p.m. in Philadelphia's Holmesburg section. Authorities shut down the surrounding streets while a bomb squad removed the pipe bomb and transported it back to police headquarters. No injuries were reported. St. Dominic's has not responded to requests for comment. Authorities discovered the pipe bomb one day after the auxiliary bishop of L.A., David O'Connell, was shot dead. This is very concerning because, like the same situation as I mentioned a second ago, there's two possibilities here. One, they said it was found on the train tracks, so maybe this was an act of domestic terrorism, and they're trying to blow up the train tracks, which is a different kind of concerning, still very concerning, still very bad, but it's a different kind of concerning if it was intended to blow up the church. So the fact that it was right behind the church and the church backs up against the tracks makes it unclear as the explicit intentions. Was this an attack against the Catholic Church, or was this an attack against the civil society in destroying our train tracks? Because we've also seen a lot of derailments of train tracks recently. So a lot of things that are very concerning that we should focus on and keep our minds, eyes on. So that way we kind of analyze the situation and and prepare accordingly. It's very, very concerning to see these kind of attacks. Uh, Tito, what are your thoughts about those things? Yes, uh, I haven't. I know vaguely some of my uh, Catholic U.S. Catholic history. I remember Elizabeth Ann Seton was uh, invo- was at a church where rioters came and surrounded the church and tried to burn it down. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that yet, but this pipe bomb would have eclipsed it if it went off. That, oh, yeah, for sure. Th- this is disconcerting. Uh, I do not appreciate how many law enforcement, uh, not law enforcement, but the President Biden and his administration gaslighting people. Uh, how national leaders, such as senators or U.S. representatives, are are just gaslighting their their constituents, especially after Roe v. Wade. And then we we had a rash of vandalism against Catholic churches and uh, pro-life pregnancy centers. So. Yes, this is a very bad omen, and but we let's pray and and fast, especially now that Lent is here, to make to ensure that this does not escalate to a higher level. For sure, one hundred percent. And I am very concerned by this whole situation. We, as Catholics, have lived in relative peace in America in our in our lifetimes, and there has not really been any explicit attacks like we've seen in early America, where the ma- the largest mass lynching in America was against the Italian Catholics. People don't know that. So there's a great history of anti-Catholicism in America. Also, Catholicism is the most persecuted religion in the world today. Not 500 years ago, not 1,000 years ago, today. But we live in modern-day America, so we don't see that. We see 
relative peace among religions here in the in the states. So at any moment that could shift. At any moment we could be just like every other country. At any moment we could see the rise of anti-Catholicism. This is very concerning, especially with the FBI reports of the FBI investigating Catholics. We see attacks and investigations and spying on faithful Catholics from every front. This is very concerning. Let's pray that this wasn't an attack against Catholics and that it was something else. Um, maybe it would be a good thing, though. Maybe it will wake some Catholics up to realize you can't be a lukewarm Catholic because the people who are attacking us don't care if you're a lukewarm Catholic. If you're a Catholic, you're lumped in with everyone else. They don't care about the difference between the SSPX, the SSPX resistance, the FSSP, diocesan traditional Latin masses. They lump them all together. They don't care about your differences. They don't care about what things you disagree about. All they care about is, are you believing in the true faith? Do you believe in the faith whole and entire? Do you believe that abortion is murder? Do you believe in the Holy Eucharist? Do you believe in the faith? Every jot and diddle, every single bit, not one iota changed. If you do, if you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, if you believe men can't become women, they're coming after us. And we need to be prepared. We need to start meditating upon that. We need to live in a state of grace, preparing ourselves that we could die at any moment. At any moment, we can be at the judgment seat of God. Are you ready? Are you ready to be at your judgment? You can't tell our Lord just one more second. You can't tell our Lord, just give me one more chance. Once you're at judgment seat of God, it's between you and whether or not you're in a state of grace. So make it to confession today. If you are not in a state of grace, get in a state of grace. If you are in a state of grace, pray that God keep you there. Those are the words of St. Joan of Arc. So let's pray for that intention today. Let's pray that all Catholics get in a state of grace. And let's pray that all Catholics remain in a state of grace. Let's prepare for eternity today. We'll be right back with Dr. Jared Stout talking about how the Eucharist can save civilization. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. 
Hey Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh. Danke. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, February 20th, and these are your headlines for today. Eduardo Garibaldi at Vatican News reports the first perpetual adoration chapel opens in New York City. A string of miraculous donations from previously unknown benefactors saved the construction of the first adoration chapel in New York City. Father Boniface Endorf, a pastor at St. Joseph's Church in Greenwich Village, located in the heart of New York City, is the location of the Adoration Chapel. Church Pop reports a boy stuck under rubble miraculously survives earthquake in Turkey. On February 6, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit Turkey and Syria, devastating millions and killing approximately 42,000. The death toll continues to rise as rescue efforts are underway. One incredible testimony moving across social media discusses the miraculous survival story of a five-year-old boy rescued eight days after the earthquake. According to the French organization SOS Christians of the East, the boy said a man dressed in white provided him food and water, then disappeared. Salvatore Cernuzio at Vatican News reports in an interview on Pope Francis reflecting on the suffering inflicted by war and the importance of faith in God's plan, despite life's disappointments. Pope Francis says, War steals children's smiles, but we must never lose hope. And finally, Emmy Varley and Ismet Hajdari at Agence France Presse reports of Kosovo's crypto-Catholics open up about long-hidden faith. After the Ottoman conquest in the 14th century, Albanian Catholics converted to Islam but kept practicing their faith. They called themselves closet Catholics. In recent years, many closet Catholics, or Laramans in Albanian, meaning colorful or many, have openly embraced Catholicism. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us in just a moment will be Dr. Jared Stout, and we're going to be discussing his new book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. And before we do, though, a couple things. One is our email list. You're going to want to join our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. When you do, you can go there and you can sign up for our email list. And when you do, every Friday, I send you some unique content where you can learn your faith and grow in holiness, all these things with the CDT team. And this coming Wednesday, we are starting our Ash Wednesdays and to all the way to Easter, going through the Aquinas Catechism. One of the big problems of our church today is the fact that we have a lack of catechesis. If you feel that you don't know the faith well enough, if you feel like there is a big lacking in your education in the faith, well, don't worry. You can go through the Aquinas Catechism with us on the CDT team. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and sign up for our email list there. When you do, send me an email. And that's adrian at grnonline.com. Letting me know you signed up because that link is already gone to just sign up for the Aquinas Catechism class. That link is already gone. But if you email me and say, I signed up for the email list before this Ash Wednesday, before this Wednesday, 
I will add you to the to our chat anyway out of charity. And but starting on Ash Wednesday, that's it. Nobody gets in to the chat until Easter. So you're going to have to join before this Ash Wednesday if you want to be on our email list. And the second thing is someone brought to my attention and I thought was very concerning. I didn't realize this was the case that in the New American Bible and the Gospel of the Day, according to the official uh, VaticanNews.va website for the Gospel of the Day, it does not include fasting in the comment. Because I don't use the New American Bible translation. I use the Knox Bible translation because that was the, the favorite of Fulton Sheen. And so I, I really like that translation. It says, and he said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer, period. It doesn't mention fasting. That's really concerning. Why is that the case? Why did the, the official Vatican version of the Bible for the gospel today exclude fasting? That's very concerning. I don't know why that's the case. If you know why, please let me know. I was unaware of that was the case. That's very concerning because that's very important. Those are the words of our Lord. You, we should not change not one jot and tittle of the holy faith, of the, the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is, uh, I don't know why that, that happened. That's very concerning. But anyway, we, we, we are waiting for Dr. Jared Stout to join us this morning. But if when he does, we will certainly introduce him and we'll jump into our conversation. So... The book is called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. And I think it's a very important topic, especially seeing all the different things that have happened in regards to the uh, (laughs) sins against the Holy Eucharist. And so these sins against the Holy Eucharist are happening all over the place. And we have to combat it. So one of the things I saw that I thought was interesting, that I was very, rather than concerning was very uplifting, was out of Alidia. Alidia reported, Atlanta International Airport gets Eucharistic Chapel. Said the busiest airport in the world has acquired a quiet space for travelers to spend time with Jesus. The world's busiest airport just got a space where the Catholics and other seekers can spend a little quiet time with Jesus before hopping on a flight. Atlanta's Catholic Archbishop Gregory Hartmeyer blessed a new Eucharistic chapel Monday at Hartfield Jackson International Airport. He himself was about to fly out of Atlanta when he dedicated and blessed the space. The airport's newest chapel is thanks to the efforts of Hartfield Jackson's chaplains and the the cooperation of the Archdiocese of Atlanta. It goes on talking about this. He said Father Kevin Peck told the news agency that he offers Mass on Saturday night and Sunday night for all the travelers in order to give them two opportunities to make their Sunday obligation. This is very uplifting, to be honest. I think it's really awesome. Why not have this at every single airport in America? Why not have all the airports talking about entering, bringing Eucharistic Adoration Chapels, having the tabernacle there, having the Eucharist there? Why not getting in every every hospital? That should be the case. We should have hospitals all around the world (laughs) promoting Eucharistic celebration. We should have tabernacles re- having our Lord repose there. That's how we take up space in the public square. We start presenting these ideas. We start having them into the public field, whether it be airports, hospitals, schools, things like that. Why not have it everywhere? And then 
priest volunteering or maybe it's their assignment, having them join in and be the people who are uh, saying mass there. That's pretty awesome. How many times have you uh, been stuck at the airport on a Sunday and not been able to make it to mass? I'm guessing it's happened to you at least once or twice or you know somebody who that's happened to. It's very, very difficult sometimes and whenever you're traveling to try to make it to Mass. And that's why I try my best not to travel on Sundays, if at all possible. Because I don't want to be stuck at an airport and not be able to make it to Mass. That would be the, the worst thing ever. Or I try to go to Mass before going to the airport. Just because of how difficult it can be sometimes. So, these are just little things that we can start doing, bit by bit, to start promoting a Eucharistic life. Uh, Tito, what are your thoughts? Yes, I completely agree. For those of us that rarely go to Eucharistic adoration or, or don't go at all, Lent is a perfect opportunity to make that part of your, your weekly routine. Pick a day, any day. Go in there for an hour. Pray to God. Pray to Jesus. In, in fact, if you don't know what to say, just sit there or kneel in his presence, just looking at him in the Holy Eucharist. You will not understand or not know how many graces, unknown graces, you will be receiving. It will bring peace to your life. It'll bring growth to your faith. It is a beautiful thing to do. And, and those of us that are already attending Eucharistic Adoration, why not make it daily? Go in for 30 to 60 minutes. Add to your faith. Grow in your faith. The, Lent is a perfect opportunity to begin new habits or to investigate more aspects of our beautiful Catholic faith, I strongly suggest you go see Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting was the fact that, uh, going back to the, the comment I made at the, the top, was one of our friends here that are watching online had made a comment here, said, I noticed that too, my missile didn't have it. And it's a missile I got from EWTN, referring back to prayer and fasting. That's interesting to me. I didn't realize that, that was an issue. I didn't realize that that, would, that happened. And so I was thinking maybe there's just a mistake and the website just cut off the last word. But apparently it's in the official missile as well. Hmm. Very concerning. Um, Tito? I, yes, I, I think <clears throat> what we need to do Pray for the younger bishops in the USCCB. Pray for divine providence. Pray that they will do the right thing. When they become, when they become the majority or, become, or get into positions of power, they need to review the NAB and make long and difficult decisions on that. They either revise it and make it more pious or investigate other versions like the Knox Bible, like the RSV, like the English S, uh, SV, there are many outstanding options out there that is easily available and legible for many, many laity out there. So let's pray for our bishops to make bold decisions when they become uh, more prominent in the USCCB to make better uh, choices on what we read at, in our Missal. For sure. And, and the other thing is... Uh... Try out different translations that are still Catholic. Try out different Catholic translations. See what you like. I prefer, preferably, uh, my personal favorite is the Douay Rheims, though I use the Knox a lot because uh, that's Fulton Sheen's favorite. A little bit more readable than the Douay Rheims. But we'll be right back. And if Dr. Stout joins us, we'll be joining him. If not, we'll talk about a Eucharistic revival amongst ourselves. 
Well, all this and more on Catholic Drive Time. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel... All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and good morning to you. It is Monday. Congratulations. You have made it. You survived the weekend. What a beautiful day to give glory to God. Here's a challenge for you. Do not try to try not to complain about Monday today. You know, it's the it's the joke of the day. It's the joke of the week. Every week, Monday comes around. And it's like all the Monday jokes come out about, oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's terrible. Monday's the worst. Yada, yada, yada. All these things. Here's a challenge for you. Don't complain about Monday today. Instead, give God some praise. Give glory to God for letting you be alive, letting you be able to work today. All these opportunities that we have on this Monday morning. What a grace that we have. So, If Dr. Stout joins us, we're going to jump into a conversation about his book on how the Eucharist can save civilization. But I want to jump into a couple of points that I had uh, prepared to talk about him with. And if we can rebook him, then we certainly will, because I definitely think that his book is very important, especially with this movement of Eucharistic revival. One of the good things the USCCV has done in in a long time. But here, the people, I think this was a CNA article, was reporting on some of the records that Pope Benedict had been reporting on. I thought it was very interesting to me. Pope Benedict, and I say reporting on because it's uh, from his posthumously uh, published book. Benedict commenting on the current situation of the Eucharistic life in the church. The Pope Emeritus said, one process of great impact is the almost complete disappearance of the sacrament of penance. The offering of the body and blood of Jesus Christ has no direct connection with the meals with sinners, the Pope Emeritus explained, adding that Jesus celebrated Passover with his family, that is to say, with the apostles who had become his new family. Thus, celebrating the Eucharist in the ancient church was from the beginning linked to the community of believers and with this to strict condition of access, he said. 
The thing, the reason why that that quote from Pope Benedict stood out to me from his posthumously published book is that he's saying you need to go to confession before receiving the sacrament, and this idea that the it's a meal for sinners is not really true. That the offering of the body and blood of Jesus Christ has quote no direct connection with the meals with sinners end quote. That's very important that Pope Benedict makes that reference. Uh, but joining us right now is Jared's, Dr. Jared Stout. Um, good morning to you, Dr. Jared. Uh, what did, I wanted to get your take uh, on that passage by Pope Benedict. I don't know if you were able to catch uh, me uh, talking about that, reading that quote. Yes, and I, I have been paying attention to that because I've been in a discussion about ad orientem worship as well. So I, I love how you were connecting it to the sacrament of penance, and that's very important. Um, but the mass is not a Passover meal, right? A mass, the mass is not a reconstruction of even the Last Supper, or certainly not the the meals uh, that Jesus celebrated with sinners, as Pope Benedict was saying. Uh, the mass is our celebration of the Paschal mystery, which of course flows from Jesus. Um, Last Supper, when he gave his body and blood to us, but it is a lot more than that, and so it really is a mistake to simply say, "Well, the mass is is just like a meal that that Jesus was having um, with people, and therefore we can approach it casually. Everyone is invited. There's no conversion that's needed. There's no preparation that is needed." Um, so, in my book uh, coming out on February 28th, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, I have a whole chapter in the book just on how we need to prepare for the Eucharist, uh, because it is something that requires, well, one, that you be recreated, <laughs> that you need to receive baptism. You you can't approach the Eucharist unless you've been reborn in Christ. Um, but then it also requires a constant preparation um, through the sacrament of confession, as you were saying, and also through fasting, that we need to prepare ourselves um, to, to really purify ourselves. In, in the Old Testament, right, there was a ritual washing. Uh, and for us, it's not a washing of our hands, but it is a cleansing of our soul uh, to be ready to receive the Most Holy Eucharist. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, we used to have the fast, and this is what I keep, the, the midnight fast from fasting from midnight until Holy Communion. It was then changed to three hours to co- accommodate evening masses. And then now it has been reduced to simply one hour, which means if the Father gives a long homily, then you can eat at the beginning of Mass and still receive Holy Communion. But going on to a second point, which you kind of already touched upon, Pope Benedict in the same article, I think it was a 17-page paper that was um, published by La Stampa. It says here, there is also the understanding of communion as merely, quote, a supper. He added, quote, in such a situation of a very advanced Protestantization of the understanding of the Eucharist, intercommunion appears natural. One result was a push in favor of common Eucharistic communion between the confessions. In this situation, there grew the desire for a single body of the Lord that today, however, risks losing its strong religious foundation, and in an externalized church is determined more by political and social forces than by an interior search for the Lord, he explained. Thinking back on it, still today, I feel anew with great force the estrangement of faith that came from this. And when the presidents of the Federal Republic of Germany, who at the same time were presidents of the synods of their church, have regularly called aloud for interconfessional Eucharistic communion. I see how the demand for a common loaf and chalice may serve other purposes, he says. End quote. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Dr. Jared? 
Yeah, I would say that in terms of Protestantizing um, the Eucharist, uh, if you emphasize a meal above the sacrificial nature of the Eucharist, uh, we run into very serious problems. And so it's it's certainly possible to see the Mass as a meal, right, because the Lord is offering us his body and blood to consume. Um, but it is a covenantal meal. This is something I go into into the book, uh, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, is looking at, you know, in the Old Testament, when there was the offering of animal sacrifice or if there was a cereal uh, sacrifice or libation, there actually was a moment to consume the sacrifice, which was meant to bring you into communion. So this is part of the reason why we can't simply see the Mass as like a reconstruction of the Last Supper, uh, because it is a sacrifice that infinitely exceeds any animal sacrifice or grain offering. Um, it is the one and perfect sacrifice of Christ made present to us. Um, and as we come, it is really a, a means of being drawn into the new and everlasting covenant. Um, and when we receive the body and blood of Christ, who is our, the new Paschal Lamb that we actually consume, right, we are drawn into communion with him and others. And so it's not, as Pope Benedict is saying in that quote, right, it's not our means of achieving communion with others. Not It's not our own initiative to say, hey, we want to reunite both sides of Germany, and so therefore we'll sit down and, and have this little meal together, sing Kumbaya, and then we'll all be friends, you know. This is God's means of drawing us into a covenant union with him. So he is the one who's in charge right, of, of this offering. Um, and if you want to look at it as a meal, right, this, this consuming of the sacrifice, it is not in our control. It's not something that belongs to us. Uh, we must conform to it rather than using it as a means of a kind of horizontal communion. There's a kind of a vertical communion of being drawn uh, into the life of God. You know, that's very interesting. I mean, there's another point that I just thought was very fascinating that in the same article, Pope Benedict had mentioned, quote, in the ecclesial communities arising from the Reformation, the celebrations of the sacraments are called, quote, supper. In the Catholic Church, the celebration of the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ is called Eucharist. This is not a casual, purely linguistic distinction. In the distinction of the denominations, there is manifested instead a profound difference tied to the understanding of the sacrament itself, end quote. I thought it was very, very interesting because we see this war on words happening in the culture, but also in the church. And we saw this with Father Reese's recent document where he talked about how we need to abandon the language of transubstantiation, which I thought was very, very concerning. And we see the importance of these words that we use whenever the church decided to change the translation into English for the Holy Mass and the Creed, whenever we went from one and being with the Father to consubstantial, because we want to be very precise with our language, because language has meaning, and it affects the way we believe. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dr. Jared? Well, the rejection of transubstantiation as linked up with Aristotelian metaphysics or the particulars of St. Thomas's theology is nonsense. Um, I, I translate the word transubstantiation for my students as thing changingness. And that's all it really means is that the doctrine of transubstantiation means that this is no longer bread and wine and that it has become the body and blood of Christ, period. 
you know, this is not something arcane that you need to master Aristotle's metaphysics to understand. One thing becomes another thing. And if we undermine that, then we are really use, losing our faith in Jesus's true presence in the Eucharist. So it's it's very dangerous. And in terms of the supper, right, to say that, you know, the mass is a supper. Well, it would come back to this whole idea that it's our action. If we if we emphasize the the terminology of the Eucharist, this reality uh, of the Eucharist, it is the thanksgiving of Christ. He is the one who gave thanks to the Father. And how did he give thanks to the Father? Not simply by breaking bread and, and sharing a cup. It is through the offering of his own body and blood. And so those actions are very much connected, you know, that, that he used the bread and wine to show the offering of himself that he would enact the next day on Calvary. Um, but the true thanksgiving is the offering of Christ himself. And so our own worship of the Father in thanksgiving and praise and honor is by participating in the offering of Christ. And it has value because it is not simply bread and wine that we are offering or we are consuming, but it truly is the body and blood of Christ. And so, yeah, we need to be willing to die uh, for that reality, that Amen. this truly is the body and blood of Christ, not simply bread and wine or some presence of Christ inside of the bread and wine. Amen. Dr. Jared, we're almost out of time, and I, we have to have you back to have a larger discussion, especially talking about some of the uh, external actions that we can start doing, like Eucharistic processions, things like that, to foster devotion. But in last about minutes, give me uh, your pitch for your new book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Yeah, you know, there's been such a decline in the belief in the true presence and transubstantiation, as we were just discussing. And so I say that the answer is not just repeating the doctrine, but it's in living that doctrine. We need to live out the Eucharist and have it shape our entire way of life and our civilization. Amen. Amen. You know what they say, the way you pray is the way you live, and the way you live is the way you believe, and vice versa, and forward and backwards, and every all those things affect one another. So check out the book when it comes out, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Thank you, Dr. Jared, for being on with us. We'll have to have you back. But stay with us for the next hour. We'll have our game show, Fear and Trembling. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. What, are we going to have to like go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, this is Janet from St. Francis Religious Gifts and parishioner at Christ the Redeemer. You are listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And happy Shrove Monday. Tomorrow is Shrove Tuesday. What a blessing. Because we have the opportunity to prepare for the holy season of Lent. You're going to have a great Lent this year, I can already tell. You're going to be picking up the practice of fasting this year. I already know it. It's going to be great. And I want to hear your updates on how your Lent is going. But how can you update me on what is going on with your Lent? Well, the way you can do so is by signing up for our email list. And there you can share with me all sorts of things that are going on in your life. And if you join right now, today or tomorrow, because starting Ash Wednesday, I'm shutting it down. No more entries. No more. It's going to be locked. Exclusive for CDT insiders only. If you want to join... The last opportunity was actually yesterday because the email list was sent out and there we had a link to our Telegram chat that you could join, our private Telegram chat where we interact with you all day, every day, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, every day of the week, 24-7. We are just interacting with each other, sharing what we're going through, sharing what we're doing for Lent, going through different things. And for the holy season of Lent, exclusive to our CDT insiders, we're actually going to be going through the Aquinas Catechism together because so many people today are not are not confident in their faith. There's a lot of things they, that have gaps in their knowledge, and they say, well, you know, I haven't really learned my faith, and as I should. And so you could read the entirety of the Catechism of the Catholic Church with Father Mike Schmitz and do it in a year. That's a pretty hefty task right there. So instead, I'm, we're going to go through the Aquinas Catechism, which is much, much shorter, and we're going to be able to go through it on just Monday through Friday during the holy season of Lent, and we'll have covered the entirety of the Aquinas Catechism. And that's the catechism written by St. Thomas Aquinas. So if you want to go through that, how do you do that? Join our email list, and when you do, shoot me an email and let me know that you joined. And I will personally send you the link to join our private Telegram chat. That's going to be the only way to join. And you have to do it today or tomorrow because starting Wednesday, I'm shutting it down and no one can join until Easter. So if you want to join, you got to do it today. You got to do it tomorrow. Last chance. 
And that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Join our email list. Shoot me an email at adrian at grnonline.com to let me know that you have done so, and I will send you that link. Uh, but I want to talk about Shrove Monday and Shrove Tuesday. I had mentioned on Friday that that was a tradition that I didn't really know too much about. I knew that there was like something to do with pancakes. Is that what you do, Tito? Yes. We flip pancakes and have pancake running races over at my parish on Shrove Tuesday. So I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it if I can squeeze in the time. And, uh, and speaking of Shrove Tuesday, Shrove Monday is today, of course. Reading the, there's, apparently there's several names for Shrove Monday. One of them is Collop or Collopy Monday. And that sounds delicious. Yeah, for sure. And so I was like, I got to look up what this whole Shrove Monday, Shrove Tuesday thing is. And I found this article written by, uh, written by, who was it written by? It was uh, on 1 Peter 5. Hang on one sec. How do you Go run ahead. a pancake, Tito? You have a pan, you have a pancake and a skillet. And you have to flip it. As you're flipping it, you walk <laughs> with hilarious. it, and you race another person to to a determined end, and then back. That's awesome. That sounds like an ordinary thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's it's part of the English patrimony. Okay, well there you go. Uh, running pancakes is a part of the English patrimony. Good to know. Uh, Matthew Please wrote this called "The Forgotten Customs of Septuagesima." Uh, now, right now, we're in Quaquadresima, but the in the article, he had a section here on Shrove Tuesday. It says, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong because it's Polish, but Pazikis Pancakes and Carnival on Shrove Tuesday. I was like, okay, that's very interesting. Let me, let me read this, find out what this is about. He says, for those who plan to keep the true Lenten fast, i.e. fasting for all 40 weekdays of Lent and abstaining from all meat and all animal products on all 40 days of Lent and on all Sundays, did you hear that? Sundays are not exempt, contrary to what some people might say. Uh, Fat Tuesday represents one last day of merriment. Unfortunately, this day has grown into a debaucherous celebration by many who hardly fast at all during Lent. For this reason, while we can observe Fat Tuesday by enjoying food, including Polish pazikis, which I have many, I had like six people tell me about these Polish donuts. Can and you get them I'm at like, a Kalachi factory? Or? I don't know. Wherever, someone let me know, where can I get these? Someone was sending, saying that they hand make them and they fill them with like lemon cur, uh, uh, what is it called? Yeah, lemon Curds? curd. Yeah, curd. Yeah, curd. Okay, uh-huh. I was like, I'm not sure. That's no, interesting. I you know, I, I always uh, I always get the, uh, the the runaround with people. You know, they'll say, "Well, Sundays are a day of celebration, so you can you can lift off the fast. You can it's a day of uh, celebration and feasting. So go ahead and you can do whatever you gave up that day, and it's fine." Yeah, people say that. I've heard it by priests. I've heard it by lay people. I've heard it all over the place, but. I've, from all my research, because I looked into it pretty heftily because I keep hearing contrary opinions, and everything I heard that was substantial was saying that, no, Sundays, they're in the mistle, it even says Sunday of Lent. It's not like Sunday <laughs> is not, not Lent. It's like, oh, Sunday doesn't count because it's Sunday. It's like, but why does it say Sunday of Lent? And uh, the other point being the... Uh, well, uh, Technically speaking, most of the practices that you're going to do during Lent are voluntary because the church binds you to almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so technically, you can anything you freely take on can be freely um, put it off. So if you want to give yourself the exception of Sundays, then go ahead. But that's not that's not like a church teaching. Hmm. You want to say something, Tito? 
Yeah, I've heard this before, that if you remove the Sundays during Lent, you get the actual 40 days. Yeah, that's not true. That's not true? No, not true. I never bothered with math. I looked at because people say that too, and I'm like... No, you still get like thirty nine or like forty one. Like doesn't doesn't match up exactly forty no matter what you do. I'm like no, no, it doesn't. No, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'll continue with this article. He said we should ensure that our merriment never turns to gluttony. Very true. Some cultures, like the English, have adopted the custom of eating pancakes on Fat Tuesday, earning it the nickname of Pancake Tuesday. This is custom, like the Polish one, who was observed because for centuries the use of any kind of milk products. Animal byproducts like cheese, butter, milk, or eggs were forbidden for the entirety of Lent. We should consider adopting a similar observance this year with our Lenten fast. I'm not going to do that, to be honest. But if you do it, let me know. I'm very curious. Those people who can give up all that, you're heroic. And please offer a little bit of those sacrifices for my soul. The Easterns. The Easterns. Easterns. (laughs) It continues, the practice of observing carnival celebrations was based on the approaching Lenten fast. The word carnival comes from the Latin word carnis, meaning meat or flesh, and vale, the Latin word for farewell. Carnival then became the last farewell to meat, since meat was never permitted at all during Lent until the liberalizing changes of Pope Benedict XIV in 1741. Did you hear that? 1741. Uh, Lent was always a season of complete abstinence for centuries. The name Shrove Tuesday also expressed the ancient practice of the faithful to go to confession on the day before Ash Wednesday. The from a thousand, uh, Ecclesiastical Institute from 1000 AD states, quote, In the week immediately before Lent, everyone shall go to his confessor and confess his deeds, and the confessor shall so shrive him as he then may hear by his deeds that what he is to do in the way of penance. Father Weiser similarly remarks, in preparation for Lent, the faithful in medieval times used to go to confession on Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. From this practice, this day became known as Shrove Tuesday, the day on which people are shriven from sins. Uh, this last paragraph, make it a resolution to go to confession on Shrove Tuesday or the weekend before. You can't go the weekend before now. It's too late, so it's either today or tomorrow. Since none of our penances done in the state of mortal sin earns merit for us. Starting our Lenten penance in the state of sanctifying grace is of the utmost importance. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? I think uh, for those of, those of us that may have forgotten this weekend, go check uh, catholicmasstimes.org and find a confession time for you. Some parishes even have a marathon of confessors the night before mm. to prepare you. So if it, even if it's not on the website, call in to see if they have it. Mm, so true. Or call into your local parish and suggest it. Oh, yeah. You can go in and uh, call and say, hey, Father, you know, this Lent, I want to make it right. And I know a lot of people want to do it, too. Why don't don't you do a penance service and call people together? I know when I was back in L.A., uh, they would would have a regular penance service. They would come in, you know, I think there was like maybe six priests or something like that. So everybody would line up and go to confession. It was great. Uh, But, you know, it reminds me, Adrian, of – of going into serious uh, sacraments like holy matrimony. I know we've talked about this in the past, but uh, going into these these big life-changing uh, sacraments, you have to go in the into them with a, a state of grace. And uh, we should kind of have the same idea when we participate in Lent. It's, it's an opportunity for us to grow, to put away the old man, and uh, we should start that off in a state of grace. Absolutely. And Dom Garanger talks about, you know, because... 
What are we going to see on Trove Tuesday? There's going to be Mardi Gras celebrations. There's going to be debauchery happening, especially in Louisiana. Here in, in Texas, it's a huge one. is in Galveston, Texas. It's pretty pretty gross and very where bad. I'm, be. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yikes! Your soul, man. Your soul. He said, I'm just there for uh, I'm just there for the, uh, the Polish ice cream. Right. I'm just there for the Polish. Uh, what are they? Donuts? <laughs> Cupcakes? Yeah. Uh huh. Totally. Well, Dom Garen Jay was talking about even in his time how they were already starting to bring these impieties into the church and these kind of celebrations and doing these carnivals that were completely debaucherous. So no longer something that was wholesome and fun to do. They started these Mardi Gras celebrations. So he says that instead of participating in those, why don't we have a 40 hours devotion? So it's a little bit of a sacrifice because you're like, I want to celebrate. I want to have some fun. But because of all the excesses and sinfulness of Mardi Gras in our, in our time, why don't we dedicate some time on Shrove Tuesday to go and make acts of reparation for all the evils and sins that are happening? Or maybe if you're very bold, get a group together and go to those events. Uh, don't bring kids because there's a lot of gross things that people do that they're going to be witnessing. But maybe get a group together and go to those things and hold a rosary rally and say and let people know, hey, you do realize that this celebration is supposed to be leading us into Lent. Does anybody at a Mardi Gras celebration, do they celebrate Lent? Any of those people? I don't think so. I don't think not one of those people are probably going to be making sacrifices the next day. I don't think a single one of those people are going to go to confession the next day. I very much doubt it. Many of them won't make it to work the next day. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. That's very concerning. So what should we do? We should make acts of reparation. It's a perfect opportunity to spend maybe just an hour with our Lord in adoration. If you could do more, do more. But think about that. Can you spend an hour with our Lord tomorrow, maybe today? Because all these kind of celebrations are happening. Oftentimes, they they do some very blasphemous things as well. I've seen statues of Our Lady and things like that that they put cover in um, Mardi Gras beads and things like that. Not appropriate. Very much not appropriate. And people dress up as uh, in sacrilege as well. So don't go to these events. Yeah. Not very good. Absolutely not. Don't go to these events. Instead, if you do go to these events, hold a rosary rally outside of it. Say, keep uh, keep Christ in Mardi Gras or something like that. I'm trying to think of a, a good slogan that could put, be put on a banner. Or remember, tomorrow is Lent. Um, something like that. If you have a good suggestion, let me know. Uh, that would be a very good practice to have. I know the TFP does something in Louisiana every year immediately after Mardi Gras. They do a procession with Our Lady um, across the, the, the site where they went. They, so they follow in their footsteps of where they traveled, and they do a procession with Our Lady. How about a giant banner that says, Remember, unto dust you shall return. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, memento mori. Wow. Total yeah. bummer, bro. Why are you reminding me of that? And killing the mood. <laughs> You're totally <laughs> killing the mood, bro. Yeah, is that Mardi Gras in California? Is that what it's like? <laughs> they do, did they do Mardi <laughs> no. Gras in California? <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. They profess with their surfboards too big, sir. <laughs> yeah. Based. Based. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So uh, let me know what you're doing for, for Lent this year. Pray, fast, do penance. Those are all good practices. You know, do, we can all do something. And if you're saying, well, you know, I have this medical condition, I have that medical condition, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, there's something you can do. So find out what it is that you can do and do that. Because we can all do something for the greater glory of God. If all you can do is go and spend a few hours with the Lord every day, hey, that's huge. Go do that. If you can't offer something up because your help is too poor, spend some time with our Lord. Go to adoration. 
do something special. Pray four rosaries a day. Try that. That'd be great. But we have our game show, Fear and Trembling. Call now, 877-757-9424. The number to call is 877-757-9424. One more time, 877-757-9424. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, How do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatum? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to join our fear and trembling game show where we ask some trivia questions, but not to you. We ask them to Rudy and we're going to ask them to Tito, and it's your job to tell me who's right and who's wrong. You have a 50-50 chance of getting each question right, and all you have to do to join the game is call 877-757-9424. If you call that number, you can be in a contestant on our show. And right now, we have zero callers on the line, so that means if you call right now, 877 757 9424. If you call that number right now, you'll be our, our contestant for the game show. One more time, that number is 877 757 9424. That number gives you an opportunity to be on our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes. 
We have all sorts of prizes that we give out throughout the year, uh, the last two years, all sorts of things. And uh, Tito, one one more time, the the number, but what can we win? The number is 877-757-9424. What's the prize this year, or this day, this week? There you go. My brain's not working. This week, uh, Tito Edwards. This week, once more, we will have the CDT price pack of a coffee cup of Divine Providence. And uh, I... I'm pretty certain we're going to have something new again next week. But uh, one more week of this, and uh, we'll see who the winner is today. Awesome, awesome. So every uh, question you get right gets you an entry into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. And uh, if you get all three right, then you get an opportunity. You get the three for three chances. That's, that gives you a greater chance. So more questions you get right, the more opportunity you have to be put uh, to win the prize on Friday when we draw the name. Well, that means you have to be listening on Friday to hear whose name gets drawn. But joining us right now uh, via phone is Yasena. Good morning to you, Yasena. Uh, Tito, you're going to have to turn the on-air button on so I can hear Yasena. Yasena, okay. are you there? Yes, good morning. Good morning to you, Yasena. Uh, where are you calling from? San Antonio. San Antonio, the great city of San Antonio, where my favorite Alamo is. And in fact, it's the only Alamo. But you know what? Yep. <laughs> no matter what happens, I always remember it. Always. We always remember the Alamo, yes. Amen. Amen, Yesena. Uh, Yesena, where are you off to today? I'm on my way to work. On your way to work. Uh, is that going to be, you're, you're doing brain surgery? Is that what's happening? Well, not today. Today I'll be working at a high school. Oh, okay. The, the brain surgery is on is on Thursdays, right? Yes. <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. Well, good. Thanks for listening, uh, Yasena. Do you know how the game works? Uh, yes. Awesome, awesome. So you know that one of these two are very tricky. Do you know who's the trickiest one? Uh, I think it's um, I forgot his name, but I always think the guy is trickier. Is it Tito? Yeah, I think so too. I am thinking Tito is a tricky one as well. I'm getting that feeling. Man, uh, we're 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 kind of testing the waters and seeing who's trickiest. But I'm starting to think that you're right, Yasena. I think that Tito might be the trickiest person we've had. But are you ready for the show? Are you ready to start the game? Okay, let's go. All right, let's do it. Uh, we'll start with Rudy, as is our custom. Rudy, the first question. All right. Who is the son of the priest? Uh, Tito, you got to bring that volume down a little bit. A little bit more. There you go. Rudy, the question is, who is the son of the priest Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, the priest Zachariah. He was a great priest, man. I knew him back in California. Oh, yeah. Yeah, their son is uh, Father Robert. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't it weird that uh, the priest Zachariah was married? Was he an ordinary priest, Anglican? Former Anglican. I, you know, I, I'm starting to think so because, yeah. you know, some parts of the Mass, it was in it's Old English. And I, I always had a hard time. I thought maybe he was putting on an act. But weird. Yeah. Uh, what was the, what is his father's, his, his son's his name? His son's name is Father Robert. Father Robert. Okay. Yeah. Well, Father Robert. That's and you might be wondering, how did a priest have a son? Yeah, he's yeah. an ordinary guy. I oh, didn't well. know. Oh, well. There you go. Very weird. Okay. Good to know. Uh, Tito, you're familiar with the ordinary. You're familiar with married priest. Uh, very strange to me. I, I think it's very odd, but it happens. It happens. Uh, Tito, the question is, who is the son of the priest Zachary and his wife Elizabeth, or Zachariah? Zachary and Elizabeth. I would go with St. John the Baptist. 
Saint John the Baptist. So you're going with like this is a biblical question. Oh, oh yes, big time. Okay, not, yeah, okay. no Bertine, bi- hmm. biblical. Interesting. I I mean, it could be a biblical question, or maybe it's a question about ordinary a priest in, in California. Uh, who knows? You're talking uh, about the guy who ate locusts and wild honey. That, maybe, maybe that John the Baptist. Huh. Oh, yep. Yeah, and wore camel fur for clothing. Yep. Nice. There you go. Well, Yacinta, this question uh, it might be tricky. Is this a Bible question or is this a ordinary Californian question? Uh, what say you, Yacinta? Is the answer Father Robert, the son of the priest Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth? Or is the answer St. John the Baptist, which is uh, the son of the priest Zachariah? And the Wyatt and his wife Elizabeth. What say you, Senna? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is it Rudy? Is it Tito? What say you? It's uh, St. John the Baptist. I'm going with Rudy. Tito. I think so. Very right. good, Yasena. Very good. You got it. You got it. It is St. John the Baptist. Uh, Rudy was being tricky. I was just being tricky. He's being tricky. Uh, there, there, is there even a Father Robert who was a son of... No. Okay, okay. See, the, it didn't even, the person didn't even exist. There you go. I was looking up. I was like, okay, who's Father Robert? Is he an ordinary priest? I couldn't find him. What's that <laughs> mental health uh, issue where you just lie all the time? Uh, that's it. a good question. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Tourette's. Tourette's. No, 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 it's not. It's not Tourette's. Yusena, are you ready for question number two? I'm ready. All right. Let's jump into it. Let's start with you, Tito. The question is, a vessel that contains holy water is called a what? Holy water bottle. A holy water bottle. Straight and simple. If it's a holy water bottle, wouldn't it not hold any water? Uh, Well, you call water bottles without water water bottles, so... I don't think he gets it. That's okay. Uh, Rudy, the same question to you. A vessel that contains holy water is called a what? Yeah. So I, you know, I was in mass the other day and some kid, he walked by me Uh and he said to his father, dad, what do they call that thing? And I knew from working here in Catholic drive time, I knew the name, but I had forgotten, Uh, but it's actually called a stoop. A stoop. Stoop. A stoop. Okay. Yesenna. Uh, There's two options for you right here. Rudy seems to think that the answer is a stoop, whereas uh, Tito seems to think that the answer is a holy water bottle. What say you, Yasena? 15 seconds on the clock. I go with Robert. It's a stoop. All right. Robert, Robert, let's go. Let's go. Nice. There you go. Well, you got it, Yasena. It, it's, wow. uh, it's Rudy. Rudy, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I had to think twice who Robert okay. was. That's okay. But now, the answer is, in fact, a stoop. A vessel containing holy water is a stoop. And yes, if you had a bunch of holes in a water bottle, then obviously it wouldn't hold any water. So holy water bottle makes no sense. Uh, but let's go to question number three. Let's go back to Rudy. The question is, upon which famous English Catholic was conferred the title Defender of the Faith by Pope Leo X in 1521. That was Cardinal Newman. Cardinal Newman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a he's a good cardinal. He was good. It's a good stuff right there. Defender of the Faith. Defender Stout. The faith. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, he, a, he had a good chin line. I've seen that. Did he? Yeah, he had oh. those pictures of him. Right. It's pretty cool. Uh, Tito, same question to you. Upon which famous English Catholic was conferred the title of Defender of the Faith by Pope Leo X in 1521. Defensor Fide. I'm going out on a limb here and going with King Henry VIII. King Henry VIII. Yes, sir. Uh, The same one that uh, killed his wives. 
killed most of his wives and did many other things. The one who started the Anglican Church, that one. No, not that King Henry VIII. No, persecuted. He's not the one that started the Anglican Church. He's. You know what? Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he was. That okay? Very interesting. Yasina, this is a very interesting question. The question is: Upon which famous English Catholic was conferred the title Defender of the Faith by Pope Leo X in 1521? It's a long question. Rudy seems to think that it's Cardinal John Henry Newman. Whereas Tito seems to think it's King Henry VIII. 15 seconds on the clock, Yasina. Who's wrong? Who's right? Who's being tricky? What say you, Yasina? Uh, it's King Henry VIII. I go with Tito. All right. Wow. Way to go, Unfazed. Yasina. Wow. Not wow. Machine. Nailed it. That was a tough question, but you that got it. Tough. How did you know that? Um, we had learned about it a while back when I was... 25 years ago in school. Oh, wow. 25 years ago, and you remember. Is that in med med school while you were studying for uh, brain surgery? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very good, Yasena. You got three for three. Yes, Henry VIII ironically was given the title Defender of the Faith by Pope Leo X, and he retained the title even afterwards, even though it was revoked, and so, but he kept it. Correct. So the royalty in England still call themselves the defenders of the faith, even though they uh, have completely apostatized from the Catholic faith. So, very funny. And I think uh, the current king, King was Charles, uh, he said that he's defender of the faiths. Faiths. Because he oh, was like, boy. oh, I'm defender of all the faiths. Great. So now it's even more diluted than it How was before. How ecumenical of you. Very ecumenical. So there you go. I hope that you learned something new today, Yasena. Uh, but congratulations. Now you can share some fun facts with your with your students today. Uh, and with the people that you're doing brain surgery with on Thursday. Yes. Thank you so much. Y'all have a blessed day. You as well, Yusena. Stay on the line. We will get your contact information so that way we can contact you on Friday should you be the winner of our Coffee Cup of Divine Providence and other prizes. Well, God bless you. God love you, Yusena. Thank you. Likewise. Have a great day. That's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. If you want to join us, you can join us in the after show. Just join us on our live streams on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, so many places. You can join us there, and we can interact with you directly. If not, we'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network, right here in the same bat channel, in the same bat place. We will be joining you. Also, I just forgot. I have a huge announcement that I need to let you know, guys tomorrow. It's a big deal. I'm going to have to tell you all tomorrow morning. So make sure you tune in 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Or salt.net. Today is Monday of the seventh week in Ordinary Time. 
this holy sacrifice of the Mass is offered for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that always pondering spiritual things, we may carry out in both word and deed that which is pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the beginning of the book of Sirach. All wisdom comes from the Lord, and with him it remains forever, and is before all time. The sand of the seashore, the drops of rain, the days of eternity, who can number these? Heaven's height, earth's breadth, the depths of the abyss, who can explore these? Before all things, before all things else, wisdom was created, and prudent understanding from eternity. The word of God on high is the fountain of wisdom, and her ways are everlasting. To whom has wisdom's root been revealed? Who knows her subtleties? To whom has the disciplines of wisdom been revealed? And who has understood the multiplicity of her ways? There is but one wise and truly awe-inspiring seated upon his throne. There is but one most high, all-powerful creator, king, and truly awe-inspiring one seated upon his throne, and he is the God of dominion. It is the Lord. He created her through the Holy Spirit, has seen her and taken note of her. He has poured her forth upon all his works, upon every living thing according to his bounty. He has lavished her upon his friends. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. 
The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is king, in splendor robed. Robed is the Lord, and girt about with strength. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old. Everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king, he is, he is robed, robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Our Savior Jesus Christ has destroyed death and brought life to life through the gospel. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you. As Jesus came down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. Immediately on seeing him, the whole crowd was utterly amazed. They ran up to him and greeted him. He asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I have brought to you my son possessed by a mute spirit. Wherever it seizes him, seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they were unable to do so. He said to them in reply, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I endure you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, the spirit immediately threw the boy into convulsions. As he fell to the ground, he began to roll around and foam at the mouth. Then he questions his, his father, how long has this been happening to him? He replied, since childhood. It has often thrown him into fire and into water to kill him. But if you, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can. Everything is, po is possible to one who has faith. Then the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Jesus, on seeing a crowd rapidly gathering, rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it, Mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Shouting and throwing the boy into convulsions, it came out. He became like a corpse, which caused many to say, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. When he entered the house, his disciples asked him in private, Why could we not drive the spirit out? He said to them, This kind can only come out through prayer. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We briefly begin this week with the letter uh, to the book, the book of Sirach in that first reading, saying how all wisdom comes from the Lord. The book of Sirach, being a book of wisdom, was a way of reminding the Israelites that if you followed the law of the Lord, 
which was divine, which divinely given and divinely inspired, then you find happiness and fulfillment in life. So as a way of striving to order one's life according to this wisdom, there's uncreated wisdom, which is God, and then created wisdom, which we hear about in that first reading, that God created wisdom when he created the world in order that everything would be ordered in such a way that the universe would be intelligible. That through the creation, what God has created, we would be able to come to know the uncreated maker, the one who, who has created everything out of his will and out of his love. For us, we strive to have what we call the virtue of wisdom. And that virtue is to be able to see everything, all the little pieces in relationship to the whole. Like a mosaic. You know, if, you have, if you're looking at a mosaic and you've got your nose on one of the, on one of the tiles, you're not going to see the big picture. But uh, stepping back and being able to see the entire thing and to see how each tile is related to the whole, then that is wisdom. And when we have that wisdom, then we begin to understand how our life is to be ordered correctly. Our relationship with God, our relationship with, with one another, and our relationship within ourselves. So God wants us to be whole and complete. But because of sin, of course, everything becomes disordered and all jumbled up. This Wednesday, of course, we begin Ash Wednesday, that holy season of Lent. And God gives us three instruments in order for us to get our life back in its proper order. That is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer is the one that, of course, orders us, gets our right relationship with God. I want to focus on that one because Jesus says something in the, in the, in the gospel today, the very end, which I think touches upon this theme. When they asked him, why could we not drive out this spirit? He says, this kind can only come out through prayer. Remember, Jesus in the Gospel of John, later on, says, You have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and it will be done for you, or given to you. Perhaps one of the reasons why they couldn't drive out the demon is because at that point they had not prayed in the name of Jesus. And that is it's his name, where everything becomes rightly ordered. Through that prayer, we ask in the name of Jesus for anything that we need, especially to be delivered from sin and from evil. Then in that name, we are saved. And salvation, the part of salvation is getting that ourselves rightly ordered. So we ask the Lord, as we are approaching this holy season of Lent, and especially when we're thinking about how we're going to live this Lent, how are we going to order ourselves rightly back to God? How are we going to be rightly ordered in our relationship with one another? And of course, within ourselves, we recognize our own brokenness. So we need to ask the Lord, how does he want us to live our prayer more deeply? How to, uh, how to fast in order that we can get rid of all those things, all the clutter, which keeps us from coming into communion with, with each other and also recognizing uh, the, the brokenness we have within ourselves and allowing that to be healed. And then through almsgiving or through charity, to be able to heal our relationships that we have with one another. So how is God going to ask us to live this upcoming Lent so that we may be rightly ordered towards him and then everything falls into, 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 into right place?
To God the Father Almighty, dear brothers and sisters, may every prayer of our heart be directed. For his will is that all humanity should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For the Holy Church of God, that the Lord may graciously watch over her and care for her. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peoples of all the world, that the Lord may graciously preserve harmony among them. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are oppressed by any kind of need, the Lord may graciously grant them relief. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves and our own community, that the Lord may graciously receive us as a sacrifice acceptable to himself. Let us pray to the Lord. For all the needs that we have, we pray, present them to the Lord with deep faith, in the name of Jesus, knowing that all of our prayers will be answered. For those who have asked us to pray for them, we pray to the Lord. For all those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for those who have none, no one to pray for them, we pray to the Lord. Finally, remember those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, and also all who, who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association for their intentions, we pray to the Lord. O God, our refuge and our strength, hear the prayers of your church. For you yourself are the source of all devotion, and grant, we pray, that what we ask in faith we may truly obtain through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, the work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we celebrate your mysteries, O Lord, with the observance that is your due, we humbly ask you that what we offer to the honor of your majesty may profit us for salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right to give you thanks, truly just to give you glory, Father most holy, for you are the one God, living and true, existing before all ages and abiding for all eternity, dwelling in unapproachable light. Yet you who alone are good, the source of life, have made all that is so that you might fill your creatures with blessings 
and bring joy to many of them by the glory of your light. And so in your presence are countless hosts of angels who serve you day and night, and gazing upon the glory of your face, glorify you without ceasing. With them, we too confess your name in exaltation, giving voice to every creature under heaven as we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli Hatera, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. We give you praise, Father Most Holy, for you are great, and you have fashioned all your works in wisdom and in love. You formed man in your own image and entrusted the whole world to his care, so that in serving you alone, the Creator, he might have dominion over all creatures. And when through disobedience he had lost your friendship, you did not abandon him to the domain of death. For you came in mercy to the aid of all, so that those who seek might find you. Time and again you offered them covenants, and through the prophets taught them to look forward to salvation. And you so loved the world, Father Most Holy, that in the fullness of time you sent your only begotten Son to be our Savior. Made incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he shared our human nature in all things but sin. To the poor he proclaimed the good news of salvation, to prisoners freedom, and to the sorrowful of heart joy. To accomplish your plan he gave himself up to death, and rising from the dead he destroyed death and restored life. And that we might live no longer for ourselves but for him who died and rose again for us, he sent the Holy Spirit from you, Father, as the first fruits for those who believe, so that bringing to perfection his work in the world, he might sanctify creation to the full. Therefore, O Lord, we pray, may this same Holy Spirit graciously sanctify these offerings, that they may become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the celebration of this great mystery, which he himself left us as an everlasting covenant. For when the hour had come for him to be glorified by you, Father most holy, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And while they were at supper, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, taking the chalice filled with the fruit of the vine, he gave thanks and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, 
and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of our redemption, we remember Christ's death and his descent to the realm of the dead. We proclaim his resurrection and his ascension to your right hand. And as we await his coming in glory, we offer you his body and blood, the sacrifice acceptable to you, which brings salvation to the whole world. Look, O Lord, upon the sacrifice which you yourself have provided for your church, and grant in your loving kindness to all who partake of this one bread and one chalice, that gathered into one, by the, one body by the Holy Spirit, they may truly become a living sacrifice in Christ to the praise of your glory. Therefore, Lord, remember now all for whom we offer this sacrifice, especially your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and the whole order of bishops, all the clergy, those who take part in this offering, those gathered here before you, your entire people, and all who seek you with a sincere heart. Remember also those who have died in the peace of your Christ and all the dead, whose faith you alone have known. To all of us, your children, grant, O merciful Father, that we may enter into a heavenly inheritance with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, and Blessed Joseph, her spouse, and with your, blessed, with your apostles and saints in your kingdom. There, with the whole of creation, freed from the corruption of sin and death, may we glorify you through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, 
Qui tolis peccatam hundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that we may experience the effects of the salvation which is pledged to us by these mysteries. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Now, mighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. You reign now in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, ave. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is the station that the Lord has made. KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. So listen on air and online at grnonline.com. Rejoice and be glad in it. 